Hello, you're listening to Between You and Me. I'm Paul Rose. Some of you might know me as Mr. Biffo, and I'm joined once again by my dear wife, Sanya. Hello, everybody. <laughs> what? I just never know how to say hello on these things. It feels a bit forced. Well, so, yeah, hi, guys. Yeah, hi. How's well, it it's kind of forced. How's it doing? There's no one actually in the room with us, yeah. apart from the cat. Who's now eating a magazine? Really Could you noisily. stop that, please? That's going to be picked up on the microphones. She's addicted. Penny. She's addicted to plastic wrapping. Okay, if you hear crinkling in the background, that's the cat chewing some chewing plastic. Chewing and packaging. And if you hear some choking, that's her choking to death on it. Okay, she stopped. So last week, we looked at the first side of Fugazi, the band's difficult second album. And it was a bit of a mixed bag, generally positive until we got to the final track of side one, wasn't it, Sanya? Yes, it was, which we have now named the Burple Note. (laughs) Listen to last week's if you want to know why. (laughs) That's quite interesting, actually, because H's podcast. Yeah. His Patreon tears are the top one is is purple. So oh, maybe, I, thought, I thought you were going to say it's a purple. Well, maybe we could <laughs> have a Patreon specifically for this podcast. We could have the purple tier. The purple tier. Ask people to go purple, <laughs> which is what H does. So this week, inevitably, as night follows day, side two will follow side one. Mm-hmm. And this kicks off with She Chameleon. Sanya. Yes. She Chameleon. Yay. I mean, this poor song, I have been on such a roller coaster ride with it over the past. Because we've had a bit of a break, haven't we, since we recorded part one. And I have I have listened to it a few more times. And I just change my mind each time I listen to it. So it started off with, I didn't like it, just because I didn't like the name. You didn't like the name? I didn't like the name. And like on for, I don't even have a logical reason for it. It was just kind of... I don't know, a subconscious reason. I felt prejudiced against the song because it's called She Chameleon. And then I listened to it and I was like, nope, don't like it. And then I listened to it again and I must have been in a better mood that day because I started thinking, oh no, it's actually quite all right. And then I listened to it again another day and was like, no, I actually still don't like it. And then listened to it again this morning and was kind of like, well, I don't hate it as much as I did. It's kind of all right. Wow. So well, what is interesting? Yeah, I've been all over the place with it. The 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 end of this roller coaster journey was you listening to the original version of She Chameleon, which you can find on the early stages live box set. Yes. Because the songs existed since the script for well, pre-script for Jester's Tear era, where the version on there that, that they used to play live is very upbeat it's like uh, kind of disco-y almost almost or not disco it's kind of like <laughs> i don't know jimi hendrixy what would you call that psychedelic yeah yeah i suppose yeah it, it's as opposed to the version that's on the album yeah which starts with i that. loved it though you i hated the it. beginning yeah because fish is doing that voice that you don't like oh my god that was hitting the purple note again and then when the music started i was like why did they not use this version on the album? It's a great version. So, well, I think I, yeah, it, it's it's okay. It's a bit nondescript, I think, as a song. 
Mm. The original version. I mean, not talking here about the album version. I think. That... Oh, you think the original version is nondescript? Yeah. Really? It's all very I th- distinctive. I thought the opposite. I thought it was really distinctive. Okay. And very, very different from the other songs on the album. So I thought it would have really stood out. Mm. I sound really Australian then. Well, you are Australian, so. True. <laughs> so the album version, the one that yes. most people know, it's. Yeah, so it is. It is a bit of a dirge, isn't it? Yeah. Well, can I? Okay. Uh, the can cat I... has now attacked <laughs> the, the cat is. Why gonna... is she doing? She this went right today? up to the microphone. Um. Oh, I'm. I'm glad you called it a dirge because actually, I wrote my notes from the first listen. Was a. I found myself drifting off and thinking about other things. I like the beginning. I love the beginning. The organ is really atmospheric and eerie. It's a really, it's dripping with atmosphere. This song, yeah, and that I think, in it, where it comes in the album, it kind of works in the context of the album. In it does. terms of the atmosphere of the yeah, album, yeah, it does. It, it's again, as we talked about last week, it's a very chilly and remote album. Yes, lyrically and musically, and I think this is another song. Yeah, it really carried through. Yeah, chilling is. Uh, I use the word eerie, but chilling would fit as well. I said chilly. Oh, chilly. <laughs> <laughs> it's chilling to me. Yeah, it's um, it's almost hammer horror. Uh, it's like it, that's what I always used to remind me of. She chameleon. It sounded like I don't know something. It's very gothicy, and yeah, I could imagine that those that organ sound in a horror movie. Yeah, uh, but saying all that, that doesn't mean it's a song that I ever really want to listen to. Oh, I didn't know. I thought you, I thought you might really love it or something. Oh. Um, yeah, I I wrote in my notes, and this is like on my first after my first listen when I was in the hate stage. Um, hate? <laughs> oh my God. This song felt like the equivalent of someone monologuing at you and not noticing the bored expression on your face. So to save your sanity, you start thinking about like, what you're going to have for dinner that night and stuff like that. I was just zoning out oh. constantly. Tea chameleon. Tea? Oh, yeah, because you're thinking about your tea, not gossip tea. Oh, um, dear. Yeah, for for all the listeners of our podcast who are over the age of twenty five, that reference will have gone right over your head. Oh, Sanya, remember who our audience? Um, but yeah, I, I I did also write that if there's anything that this album, this whole album, has taught me, and especially this song, is to not be fooled by first impressions and that things can grow on you. Now, I think I wrote that when I was in the stage, in that good mood morning when I really liked the song. Because then since then it's kind of gone down a bit. So not quite as low as it was, but it's kind of like, it's okay. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's It's just not a... I'm not going to choose to listen to it for fun, though. In it, On its side is the fact that it doesn't sound like any other Marillion song. It's completely of its self. It doesn't. It sounds doesn't sound like anything else on the album. But I think it. it and Emerald Lies suffered in the same res- respect because you know that came off the back of three great songs. Yeah. Or well, two great songs and one in the middle that's <laughs> one okay song. That's Punch and Judy. Um, but and I, and She Comedian comes, in my view, prior to two great songs. And so it hasn't got the... Yeah, I know we're going to slightly disagree. No, maybe not. Okay. 
So what do you think it's about? Oh, wait, before I start what I think it's about, I realised one reason why perhaps I didn't like the song so much. And that is because there's something really, there's like a bitter energy about it. And I wrote hateful there and now I'm thinking maybe that's a bit strong, but there's definitely a bitterness. And what added to it was I had to ask you what, what he was saying. There was, um, there's a, a, a little snippet between, I think it's the first verse and the second verse and the second last verse and the last verse where I interpreted it as snide comments from the jester. <laughs> I was like, what is he saying? And I really didn't like the sound of it. Um, and that just really added to the bitter energy. So I think that partly clouded my feelings towards the song and made them less positive. Um, so I was a bit confused. I was overthinking it a bit because I was like, I looked at the lyrics and I'm like, okay, it could mean one thing, which is quite obvious, or it could be fish being all not obvious and means totally something else. So I looked up the meaning of a lizard, uh, the symbolism of the lizard and the chameleon, and they seem to symbolize shrewdness and survivalism and especially ca uh, a chameleon manipulation. So like they can manipulate their appearance to make them seem like something else, which will either protect them or help them hunt. Yeah, so what chameleons do is they'll sit and watch and wait for the right moment to come and then they'll hunt. And I thought that fits in with when he's talking about she'll contemplate seduction and she'll ca calculate the catch and made me wonder if this is Fish kind of saying how, oh, poor him, all these fans are throwing themselves at him and trying to take him to bed when they're just really using him. Like he falls for it and goes with them. Oh, the smile, the smiling vinyl whores, which charming fish, like every woman is going to fall <laughs> at your feet with that attitude. Um, they know what they want. They sing your name and glide between the sheets. I never say no in the chemical glow. We'll let our bodies meet. <laughs> <laughs> well. So that's what I'm thinking. It's like all these women. So this is like my first interpretation was like all these women throwing themselves at him, Groupies. manipulating him because they wait at the edge of the stage. Like, what was it? The, the, flood the edge of arc. the flood lit, lit Fl arc, the edge of the spotlight, waiting like chameleons, you know, making themselves appear all alluring and stuff, trying to ens ensnare him into their trap. Mm. And he falls for it. <laughs> and then he really regrets it because like, they don't love him for him. Okay. That was my main interpretation. The other one was so bad. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even was gonna say. The other what one was. just about like a female chameleon. And <laughs> <laughs> no, the what other one the... was like how he was. Um, maybe he was talking about like the record companies trying to woo him and pretend they're interested in him and his talents. Yeah, you were right. Really... You were right first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a song about groupies, and it was written. It was like, how mean is that? It's a horrible song. I actually lyrically. Yeah. I hate it. I don't hate the music as much as I hate the lyrics. And yeah. certainly going back now, I mean, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, he said fuck on the song. <laughs> it was like, kind of, you know, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's so cool. Yeah. Whereas kind of like looking at the lyrics, it's like, mm, not sure. Yeah. That's and now I kind of look back cool. at them, particularly for the, this exercise. And yeah. I've kind of gone, 
Oh, mate. Like, for me, it's Seriously. like you're painting yourself as a victim here. Well, that's... Okay, so here's what what the origin of the song was. When he wrote Three Boats Down from the Candy, apparently he claims that he got a bit of negative feedback from women saying it was misogynist. Oh, know? I see. So he tries to write a song that isn't misogynist, but actually it's worse. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? that's, it's so way that's worse. that's what, you know, it's that's what gets worse. me. It's like, instead of, you know, so you're still sleeping with these women, but you're saying you're the victim and you've yeah. been used. Yeah, and you're going off with, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's the chemicals in my system well, that make me do it. Once again, apparently he wrote this song while uh, having an acid trip with the singer Julian Cope. Uh, oh, once okay. again, you know, mate, just... Stop maybe stop writing songs while you're off your face. Yeah. Although that said, uh, it was an acid trip that led to misplaced childhood. So uh, know, it, it worked out in the end. But yeah, for me, I mean, it's it's just really it doesn't leave a good no t- taste in your mouth. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, can I, can I just ask you one thing though? So at the end, he starts singing we chameleon we chameleon so is he putting himself as a chameleon as well no i think he says oh he does say we chameleon yeah do you know what i always thought that was line i always thought it was we as in yes for french that was always my take on it oh oh well well the lyrics that i'm looking at is spelled we like yeah no that's what i'm looking at that's on the so it's like is he at the end finally admitting that he's also a chameleon using his fame and and rock star pop starness rock star more than pop star to to woo women into his bed well either way it doesn't forgive (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't make it any more lovable of a song yeah it's a it's a really horrible song yeah it it's is. horrible lyrically and i feel bad that i ever used to sing along to it <laughs> did you are you gonna sing along to it in future well i've never seen it live actually this one really never seen she comedian played live no way yeah. you mean h has never sung. <laughs> <laughs> yeah funny that i can't imagine oh, h singing no. this does fish singer ever i've never heard anymore. him do it either i don't think he's ever done it solo one other question before we move on. Do you know what Crimson Veil means? I don't know. The Crimson, like crimson veil. is a blood. What does it symbolise? A veil, you wear it at a wedding, but it's red with blood. You, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, so where is it, that line? Um, oh, it's all over the place. No, no, that line. The Crimson Veil. Uh, watch the lizard with the Crimson Veil. Yeah, I don't know. We'll let oh. our listeners tell us. Yeah, someone... Tell us. So let's move on. Okay. We've put that one to bed. (laughs) To rest. So to speak. Incubus. Mm. I'm the moat in your eye. I, I, I. You see, you can't, <laughs> I, I, you can't help quoting it. You can't help singing along. <laughs> but I'm not going to say any more until I've heard what your take on this is. On mine. Okay, well, I mean, it started off, as soon as it came on, I'm like, okay, this is better than She Chameleon. Good. I have hope again. 
Will to Live has returned. I, I really like the Uwa star. Ooh. Yeah. I thought um, it sounds, it's a lot more macho than she chameleon. Like it sounded almost a little bit aggressive. It's not, so it's not fish curled up going, the nasty lady had sex with me. <laughs> All these women keep trying to seduce me. me. Oh, poor me. Oh, why do they leave me alone? No, poor fish, I feel so mean now. Um, yeah, so I said right from the start, it was way more engaging. I I love I'm the moat in your eye, I I I. <laughs> Sorry, hang on, I'm having a laughing fit. <laughs> what, what, I, I, I? Yeah, try and say that ten times fast. Mm. Then he lost me a bit in the verses. There's verses? In the verses. There's not verses? <laughs> well, <laughs> I've never really seen this, or Marillion, certainly of this era, as a verse chorus, verse bridge kind of band. Okay, maybe not. He lost me a bit then in the middle, and then, but the I'm the moat in your eye bit brings me back. I know you hate me saying the word exquisite. No, hang on, no. That's, you're now misrepresenting me. For a start, you've got to be a bit more judicious on your use of the word hate. I know. <laughs> like, yes, like, I've used it a lot today. I just, I just advised that maybe you wanted to find a different I word know. other than I, exquisite. I tried to find a different word, but I, I have edited, to say... I edited 10 out of one oh my episode. God. So, wow. But I can't think of a better word to describe. I thought the guitar was exquisite on this. And it was like a saving grace for the song for me. It made me just enjoy it musically so much more. That and that and the keyboard, especially there's um, there's a bit towards the end where the keyboard. Okay, this is going to sound stupid, but it it sounded like a lonely flute. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a really bad straight to video animation. Yeah, all the. The tale of the lonely flute that, that runs away from the orchestra. <laughs> it was on an adventure. But it did. It sounded like a lonely flute and it added. It really added to the sense of sadness in the song. So I, I was really appreciating it. Like musically, I felt the song was masterfully put together. I, uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it was, it was just the, some of the singing lost me and, um, there was, it just felt a little bit too long. So when it was about seven minutes in, I was not waiting for the prompt. I was I was waiting for the end. Well, I'm going to have to take issue with this. I think Incubus is every bit as long as it needs to be. Okay. And for me... Could just, cut, just a couple of minutes shorter. Just, just, just trim a tiny no. bit. Just like... A, a, no, there's a not trim, a not section. A there's not a section in Incubus that doesn't deserve to be there. It is a Meridian classic. I think it might be their best song since. Well, it's the best song on this album so far for me. What? I love Incubus. You like it more than Assassin? Yeah. Incubus is a classic. You've you got like that. it more than Emerald Lies? Yeah. I'm joking. That. Everyone hopefully likes it more than Emerald Lies. Uh, yeah, so for me. It's got that, the, the intro bit, it's almost reggae. If you listen to it, you've got the, the rhythm section. Oh, wow. You know, it just dawned on me as I was listening to it the other day. It was like, my God, that's almost got a sort of reggae kind of groove to it. Oh, musically, I love it. Well, yeah, but musically is what it's got going but for even, it. But even so, it's like... Rother's solo is his best one He's today. So... I'm saying it now. That, that, at this point in Meridian's life, 
that's the best Solo Brothers has done. And it's exquisite. <laughs> yes, cut <laughs> that. <laughs> I can't think look you give me a better word I looked up in the thesaurus to try and find a better word to describe it and I couldn't so it's staying listeners if you would like to message us on Twitter or Facebook at BMPod or send us an email I don't know if we've set that up anywhere I'm sure you can find uh, find it out somehow why don't you come up with some alternative words that Sanya can use other than exquisite just for the guitar. Just for the guitar. I, I don't describe anything else as What about Rockalicious? <laughs> the guitar is not Rockalicious. <laughs> it's exquisite. So for me, this is what this song does. I'm not going to say what it's about yet until I've heard what you've... Okay. You, you know, you're theorising. But I think musically, again, it's another one of those great Maria songs like Grendel that the music it tells the story as much as the words do. You know, there's some really uh, grimy, sleazy sort of feel to pointer sections in the song. And then there's that, that piano part that is just, ah, oh, it's like heartbreakingly gorgeous. It's like, whoa, and then the solo kicks in. And and on top of that, it's a song you sing along to. It, yeah. It's got a bit of everything. It's, yeah. It's everything that Marillion at this stage in their career did best. Wow, I didn't know song. you loved it so much. Listen, if I, as a Marillion fan, didn't love Incubus, I think we'd be lynched. Really? Yeah. It's fishy. No it's also, idea. interestingly, it's Fishy's favourite Marillion song. I don't hear people talk mm. about it as much as, like... It, it doesn't get played. It's not, you know, when what, we talk why? about Marillion. Why do you think it doesn't get played? Because H won't sing it. Oh, it, does, does, does he ever given a reason? We just we've come sure we've covered this. No, for Incubus in particular. Well, the same reason. Same as all the others. Yeah, he can't relate to it. Ah, oh, fair enough. You know, uh, he just doesn't do Fugazi era songs. That's that's a fair decision. I've seen Fish play it live solo. Um, you know, I certainly saw Meridian play it back in the day when Fish was still in the band. Um, I'm trying to think if they've ever done it at the Meridian weekends for Swap the Band. Got a feeling they might because I know Rothers has played it live on his solo. But we must have seen it done by Forgotten Sons do it. Yeah, Yeah, because I because I feel like I've heard it live. It's great. It's just and it's a a brilliant live song for what is effectively a prog song in that it's got the different sections. It's not sure. It it's a great live song because again it's got that rocky edge. It's got punch. It's macho, like I said. Yeah, it's a macho song. Well, which brings us on to the lyrics. The lyrics. Talking of Marcho. Yeah, okay. So let me put on my psychic hat. <laughs> um, what did I... Okay, so I'm, I sensed a lot of hurt and rejection from the lyrics. I had to look up what incubus meant. Ah, so you now know what an incubus is. Yeah, it's a something that... It's a cause of difficulty or anxiety or a nightmare. Well, that's not Which, the definition. But that I, fits with his lyrics because he says, um, so this is, okay, let me, before I get into that, what I think it's about is him, he's written this after a relationship ended and he's lamenting at how this person's views of him have changed from all wonderful memories and happy days for him to him now being her incubus. So he's now become the villain, the nightmare the producer, well, the producer of her nightmare, 
a moat in her eye. And she seems to, I'm just assuming it's a woman, she seems to be publicly acting like a victim and vilifying him and portraying him as a bad guy. And he's like, um, he's heartbroken over it. So he's got this anger that's coming out, but beneath the anger, hes I, I can really sense, especially when he says, you who wiped me from your memory like a grease paint mask. Just like a grease paint mask. Like, I've really sent his heartbreak underneath mm. that anger. Sounds so like I'm wondering if this woman as well is well-known or was in one of his videos. Because it's like the public act let you model your shame on the mannequin catwalk. The cat's walk. <laughs> yeah. Am I close? Not really. You're close. <laughs> it's about record labels. <laughs> You're right in the sense that I think it's about heartbreak. But you might not empathise with fish quite as much when I tell you what it is about. Uh-oh. <laughs> is it, hang on. Is it worse than the what Emerald Lies is about and what She Chameleon is about? Well, if Fish is talking about himself, it's in that ballpark. Uh-oh. Let's say He that. was in a bad way when he wrote he, these songs, wasn't he? He had a lot of anger, I think. A lot of anger. Towards exes. Mm. That's the sense I get. So, the version of what I understand an incubus to be is a demon in male form who, according to mythology and legend, lies upon sleeping women in order to engage in sexual activity with them. Well, that's what I thought it was, because there's incubus and succubus, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, succubus is the female version. Yeah. Yeah. But the first thing I... The definition I came across was... That heard. source of anxiety or the archaic meaning is a nightmare. And since he said nightmare in it, yeah. the producer of her nightmare. Well, the original like, okay, version is a, is a monster. What the song is about, Uh-oh. in Fish's words, it's about the danger of taking saucy Polaroid pictures and then splitting up with someone. I'm going to quote from, uh, there's a video online of a Meridian gig from around this time. Fish gives a, you know, as, as definitive uh, an introduction to this song as you're likely to get. I've heard various ones. They're always variations on this theme. So he says, now, if you can imagine standing for the gentleman in your local pub and six months later, the ex-girlfriend walks in with the new boyfriend. The ex's boyfriend is like one of those ex-rugby league types, like do not mess on the forehead. Now, for the first 10, 15 minutes of the conversation, it's just total bitch. He says, I've got to watch my language here because he was being filmed for the BBC. Total bitch. And it's like, uh, hello, darling. It's a really nice leather coat you've got there. I wonder how much that cost. I wonder what you did for that. Yeah. Wait, who said that? Him Fish, or her? Fish is saying that. Oh, my her. goodness. And he says, now, when the boyfriend goes to the toilet for a wee wee, it's a case of the immaculate Polaroid photograph. In front of her. And she freaks. Eek! Suspender belts and stockings. Don't panic. Leather thongs tied around the wrist to the bed. And it's one of those nasty Polaroid photographs which upsets a lot of people. And as the boyfriend comes back from the toilet, you retrieve the photograph and place it once again back in the pocket. So he was trying to... Um, what's the word? Blackmail? Blackmail. Well, I don't know if they're... Yeah. Even I, though he's the rocks. Yeah, I've never quite understood and she exactly was just what... Like, was she a regular person or was she a celebrity or something? Well, no, his ex. I mean, how much of it's autobiographical? It's come from somewhere, let's face it. 
how much of it is directly autobiographical, how much is made up. My my issue with Incubus and what it's about, I don't know what the point is of it. Mm. I mean, I love it as a song. I just don't get the point of it. What are you saying? Don't take those photographs. It doesn't really, for me, tell a story in the way that Fish sometimes does. It's about the taking of the photos but yeah so what he's it saying... doesn't reach a conclusion of any sort and i think that's why at this point fishes seem so just directionlessly angry it was yeah. kind of just sort of spewing out left right and center and it, it wasn't reaching any kind of conclusion it was unprocessed anger it was unprocessed anger that's what it feels like lyrically to me can i just interrupt you so basically the whole i'm the moat in your eye is because he's got yeah, these he's like, ah, dirty polaroids I... of her that he can bribe her, not bribe her with, but yeah, hold blackmail, over her. yeah, hold over her. A power, power over her. Again, what I find difficult... And then and there I was thinking it was like, oh, he's the moat in her eye because he's so annoying to her and she's so upset with him or whatever, but, oh, man. If it was the other way wow. around, if you flip the genders and Fish was writing about himself on the receiving end of that, yeah. I'd kind of get the song. Yeah. But he's not. He's writing about Which having... is how I interpreted it. I, yeah. I'd flipped it around. And so that... I thought she was going to the press on her mannequin. So what's the mannequin catwalk then? Oh, I don't know. Mannequin is like model. The catwalk. public act let you model your shame. There's certain turns of phrase on this album. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get into it more when we get to the next song. Where I think don't look too deeply. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, because... And I'll explain why. But yeah, he, he's trying to be clever. I see. Uh, and he's stringing words together that, you know... That might not go so deep. It's just... Yeah, or at least it's a young man, again, kind of writing so lyrics, particularly on this album, that sound deep yeah, uh, and clever. Yeah. And that's my always been my take with a lot of Fugazi as an album. There's certain sections, lyrically that I really love. You know, the walls become enticingly newspaper thin, and but that would be de developing the negative view. I don't know. There's... I don't... I see, I didn't get any of that. Yeah. It was just like, what? Mm, the custodian of your private fears, your leading actor of yesteryear. Do you get that now? Yeah, I get that now. Yeah. So it's a gr grimy song. That's really grimy. Yeah, it's uh, it's not, not pleasant. Oh, fish. Another one that, that leaves an unpleasant aftertaste in our oh, mouth. Oh, but it's we... a sing-along classic. But, <laughs> but, but musically, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. So yeah. set the lyrics aside and just enjoy the music. But it works with the lyrics in, you know, yeah. in, a, in a live setting if you can divorce yourself from the fact that it's about a really unpleasant topic. Anyway. <laughs> well done to the musicians on this song. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Pete, Mark, Rothers, <laughs> all, Ian. all the rest of the band. Yeah. We love what you did there. And Fish is singing. And, and Fish is singing. I hope he never listens to this. <laughs> We're sorry that we didn't like the lyrics. We've said lots of nice things about him as well. Yeah, we have. So, final track mm -hmm. of Side 2, Fugazi. Yes. 
I wrote here, this is after my first listen. I, I feel I feel a bit scared to say this because I know you love this song so much, but I wrote it's not starting well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and this wrote, hasn't started well. <laughs> this hasn't started well. I wrote, oh my goodness, this guy's literally a human thesaurus. Although I really, really respect his attempt at, at word artistry like he actually he does put an effort in to make it more poetic to make it more interesting he doesn't just write down the first yeah, word he's, that comes he's, to he's his not head. like ooh baby baby yeah ooh, baby, baby gonna love you forever gonna love you always you know he actually I've got puts... my hooks in you <laughs> he actually does put effort in to curate and tweak the lyrics and make them interesting but don't love the beginning. Mm-hmm. The, slow, then, the slow bit at the beginning. Yeah, don't love the slow bit at the beginning. But then, once again, it's going to make it sound like I'm like some massive guitar fan, but the guitar saves it for me. And I also love, I think it's the bass uh, in the section that starts at around five minutes where he starts mentioning, where he mentions the Pandora's box of Holocaust. Oh, that, that nice sort of And it build, sounds really ominous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so... I, I just musically love that bit. And then I love the do you realize? And I musically love, love, love the ending mm. where he's singing Where Are the Prophets. But as I a whole, love the sound of that. You don't like that opening bit, but that builds into the, the song. Builds it's into, an intro. I love how it ends. Yeah. Mm. From the middle, I love the second half. Let's Let's say that. For me, yeah, it's another. It's, and the sorry, 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 the, especially the ending because it's like got a real kind of battle cry chanting energy where are the to po- it. Prophets, where are yeah, the and that I can just imagine that really getting the crowd yeah. energy up. This was in a lot of respects, Fugazi is inseparable for me from Incubus, and they're they're similar sort of length, and I think they're similar sorts of songs in the. Yeah, I mean, musically, I mean, they don't sound the same. No, no, but but musically, they are similar. Uh, They feel like two parts of the same thing. Yeah, they're not about the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Part of the same musical family. And I think, yeah, live, if they said, do you want to hear Incubus or do you want to hear Fugazi? I don't know what I'd choose. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I think I'd, I'd choose, I don't know, what would I choose? And they've both yeah, got I that thing of... I like the ending of Fugazi. They've both got that thing of being prog, but a really harder sort of prog than than anyone had really sort of done before at that point. But on top of Do you of mean that, like a rockier prog? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's rockier, but rock always sort of implies that sort of, you know, three-chord kind of, I don't know. And Marillion aren't that. They have certainly attempted to write straight ahead rock songs um we'll certainly get onto some of those when we get to the age era but the this at this point they really did fugazi and incubus assassin jigsaw you know those four tracks particularly on this album you you can't say they sound like anyone else any prog band that's gone before this is marillion kind of going this is who we are and those four tracks are just exceptional and you can sing along to all of them, which true. again, that was, is true. Yeah, which again was the secret, I think, 
of Marillion, particularly in those days, was that they, they mm. knew how to write a crowd-pleasing song yeah. that would get the, everyone fists in the air. And they create earworms. It's like yeah. they just have these bits that get stuck in your head. Mm. Yeah. So, what do you think it's about? Well, Fugazi. I actually thought, I actually found that despite the wordiness of it, that was quite straightforward. Now, I might not be on, like, I might be completely wrong, but I thought what he, he was saying, what he was talking about is how the world is totally Fugazi. We should probably so, explain what Fugazi means then before we go on. For those who aren't Marillion fans that are listening, all three of you. It's a, a, a word that soldiers used to use in the Vietnam War, which, depending on which version of the explanation that, that you've listened to, means fucked up, got ambushed, zipped in, as in zipped into a body bag. So it means everything's gone Fugazi. Everything's broken. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I took from it, Um, that it was a commentary of the insanity and brokenness of our modern society and how messed up and effed up everything is. And um, like he's talking about drowning a couple of times, drowning in the liquid seas on the Piccadilly line, drowning in the real. And so like the real is really depressing and broken beyond repair. He mentions the real twice. Twice, yeah. The tears from the real, but there's like a hopefulness at the end, which is my favourite bit of the song, which is who can save us from the real are the prophets and the visionaries and the poets. Mm. So he's calling upon them and he's calling upon people to take their eyes from the depressing real and focus on what can be on building a better future. Pretty and much, and yeah. I like I like how he brings that in as a kind of, I said battle cry already earlier, but that's what it feels like, a battle cry and really calling people. That that is what like what we said a moment ago about Meridian writing songs that are great live. They're great at writing battle cries. Yes. You know, rallying calls. Yes. You know, calls to arms. Yeah. And this is a call to poetry. <laughs> yeah, we're the poets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you're you're spot on with what it's about. Yeah. Uh, quite how oh, you entirely got that from those lyrics. I don't know because this <laughs> I thought is... he was quite clear. I mean, it took me, I had to go through it and then I was like, oh, okay. I got to the end bit and I was like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, drowning in the liquid seas on the Piccadilly line, rat race, scuttling through the damp electric labyrinth, caress Ophelia's hand with breaststroke ambition, an albatross in the maritime tradition, sheathed in the Walkman where the halo of distortion, all contraceptive, aborting pregnant conversation. I mean, come on. He's a living thesaurus. Yeah, it, it again, Guess what state of mind he was in when he wrote oh, this no. one. <laughs> yeah. Coming down off an acid trip while travelling home from the Marquee Club on the Piccadilly line. So what it reminds me of, lyrically at this point, this is Fish, and I'm sure I've read quotes from him where he admits that on the Fugazi album, he'd started to believe his own hype. He'd taken the I'm a poet thing too far mm-hmm. and... It, it wasn't so much less is more as more is more. And so he was just Oh, this, this song is the it. epitome of more is more when it comes to lyrics. Yeah, it's like pebble dashing your house with a thesaurus. You yeah. know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like chucking handfuls of words at it. I know. Yeah, and it reminds me of I had a mate at school who, or at college, 
and he, you know, we've been friends. And then he started doing drugs and acid and things. And he told me about that. He, he bought a guitar because he was obsessed with Dave Gilmore. And he bought a guitar and wanted to like be the next new Pink Floyd. And he told me one day, oh, I've just written this amazing song. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And he said, yeah, yeah, can I, can I uh, sing you a bit of it? And it, the song was called um, Yellow Dinner. And the lyrics went, yellow dinner on a lorry. And that was the, that was the first line. There were some other bits to it. And he said, do you know what it means? And I was like, no. He said, well, like the yellow dinner is the sun and it's uh, it's on a lorry and the lorry is the passing of time. <laughs> and you're <laughs> laughing at his poetic efforts. Yellow wow. dinner on a lorry. And Fugazi for me, Locks lyrically. the fish fan. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Yeah, okay, good, good. I adore I this say. song. I adore the over-the-top lyrics. Yeah, you know, I lo- be- like I said, at least he's put effort into it. There is Do you know one, what I mean? Yeah. He's actually, he has done his best to make it interesting and poetic and mean something and to say something in, a, in, a, in an original kind of way. So I give him a sticker for that. Yeah. Ten points for him. That's not patronising at all. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> Big plus for effort, sounds, fish. That really <laughs> no, awful. no, the lyrics are astonishing, but wow. Oh no, time. can you cut that bit out? I feel no, bad that I said it in. that. It's funny. I didn't mean it in that way. It's... I do actually, genuinely, I do genuinely appreciate the effort he's put into the lyrics. There's, there's a, there's one couplet in there that sits a bit uncomfortably with me which is the thief of Baghdad hides in Islington now praying deportation for his sacred cow that feels like a line that you perhaps wouldn't want to sing these days Um, but beyond that I mean all the you know the penultimate migration I love that line I I, can I tell you my favorite line while his generation digests high fiber ignorance yeah sick burn yeah modern society yeah and it all stands today. It does. <laughs> oh, it's a song that is very much. He was ahead of his time. He was, yeah. But all that, the, 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 do you realise all that? The way it builds. Yeah, love it. And the military sort of drum beat on the outro again. Ian showing that he was the perfect signing. You know, it kind of the it, it does feel like a battle cry because you've got the drums. Yeah. It just engages yeah. you. Yeah, I love it. It's a yeah. It's another yeah. Marillion classic, and it is definitely a Marillion classic for sure. I just want to bring in one thing that I found curious because it's something that's not just from this song. He mentions conscience, consciences, consciences. Con- he mentions conscience, 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 conscience. Once in assassing with Hollywood conscience. And then in this song, he mentions it twice, propping up the crust of the glitter conscience and from the Time Life Guardians in their conscience bubbles. Yeah. What's that about? It's obsessed with conscience. Yeah, but you look at any of Fish's lyrics. I mean, even going through these, it's like there's there's misplaced is is mentioned in here that's true uh, he mentions arc oh soliloquies a, he loves talking about soliloquies there's certain words that he returns to again yeah. and again even in his solo career he used the phrase the real has he yeah oh okay um, so it's just like something that is close to him yeah i think he just does yeah certain i guess words we all that have likes. that i like exquisite for example i like the word exquisite <laughs> <laughs> I mean, only when it comes to yeah. the guitar so I think, yeah, looking for deeper meaning in that, I don't think, you know, it's, okay. it's just certain words that he goes to. 
you know, where he kind of, oh, I can't be bothered to flick through this thesaurus. Oh, what ones do I know? <laughs> what <laughs> ones do I conscience. already know? What other kind of conscience yeah. can we have? But do you realise this world is totally Fugazi? Fugazi. And so, yeah, I love it. So that's the end of the album. However, there's one more song. There's one more song from this era that we should probably talk about. So exciting. And this is the only song from 1984, Marillion, that H has ever sung live. Well, half of it. And that oh. is the B side of Assassin, Cinderella Search. Hmm. Which I know already you love, Sanya. You know what? I do. I love it. Musically, I wish I hadn't looked up the lyrics because that kind of what it made me not like it as much. So now what? I know, I know, but if I just listen to it, I do love it. What's wrong with the lyrics I on know, this? They're really bad. Why don't you? Okay, I need to know why you don't like the lyrics. I don't not like the lyrics, but I just found them frustrating because they were so like they just weren't straightforward. Oh. And it was like I couldn't just listen to it and know what he meant. I had to try and decode everything. But that's the joy of fish. That is the joy of fish, but it, maybe by this point it was like I just really love the sound of the song that I didn't I don't know. It I did feel I felt my heart sink a bit when I read the lyrics. Oh. But I love the sound of it. Like don't well, Canterbury Tales, which is mentioned in the song. Yeah. Uh, written by Thomas Chaucer. The Canterbury Tales was a storytelling contest. That's what they were written as. And the idea, I think the person who told the best story got a free dinner or something like oh, that. Right. Anyway, that was the idea of it. So for me, it's about going on the pool after breaking out with someone yes. on the rebound. That's what I figured. Funding all the lines. Um and boasting about it, you know, boasting about the con conquest, hence the, tr the Canterbury Tales. Oh, I see. Ah, uh, you know, okay. telling your stories of your nights out. Oh, I... that's the bit that I didn't pick up on because I guess that it was a song about him wanting to. Well, I wrote about him wanting to find lasting love, to find his princess. Right. Well, I think that's that is the he second this... half of the song. Oh, for okay. Me, is yeah, the first half is the nights out, boasting, blah blah blah. Yeah. Second half is that's not fulfilling him. Yeah, he wants the Cinderella yeah. search to end. Was that love in your eyes I saw or the reflection of mine? Which, I'm sorry, is one of Fish's greatest Ooh, lyrics. Oh, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, was that love in your eye I saw or the reflection of mine? One of his greatest wow. lyrics. That's great. And you still, you don't like it because of the lyrics. No, I love it wasn't the because of the lyrics. Okay, so like, for example, like, okay, like I have to say again, I love the sound of it. When it came on, I'd just finished listening to Fugazi and then this came on and I was like, yay, I love it. Oh my God. Hooray. <laughs> hooray for fish. Hooray for fish. Three just... cheers. Hip, hip, hooray for fish. I was fish. so happy because I just really loved the sound of it. And I guess that it was a song about him finding love. I could really sense could feel his sense of loneliness and hopefulness and then his hopefulness and disappointment so like you know at the end the prince has both slippers still in his hands um he didn't find his princess but it was like oh okay i wrote the enjoyment was slightly dampened so maybe it wasn't as much as i'm thinking 
Yeah, I said a lot of the lyrics are just beyond my ability to effortlessly comprehend. You have to really put time into unraveling his word mazes. But luckily the song still sounds, sounds great. So, for example, things that I didn't understand. Polaroid eyes, which maybe you're I'm... obsessed with that. Okay, <laughs> no, I've, had, I've had Polaroid eyes stuck yeah. in my head for the last three days. Dear listener, Sanya's been going on to me about Polaroid lies or eyes. Not eyes. Sorry, eyes. Three days, and then you were like, "What? You mean Polaroid army?" Um. So, <laughs> <laughs> as, as I said to you, I said you can't blame me for assuming that the lyric was Polaroid Army when you're dealing with fish. <laughs> yeah, that's nine true. out of ten lyrics is probably a war reference. Yeah, that's true. So Polaroid Eyes, which now I'm wondering if it's a reference to, um, oh, what was the previous song? Incubus. Decay on the vertical hold with a horizontal aim. Have no idea. Three dimensions down, dissolving on the Cinderella search. Cinderella search. No idea. <laughs> I always use the cue sheets, but never the nets. Again, I've got no idea what he's talking about. Well, I don't know. Do you know? Not entirely. I oh, don't care. You don't care? I don't care. I'm going to have to put it out like that. that I still love that the lyrics. hole in my heart now where the unsatisfied hole at not knowing what that means. I'm going to have to put it aside and just enjoy what it sounds like. I, I don't know. It's still got some... I, words in there that I just love. I, I can't fault this. Why this wasn't on the album and Emerald Lies oh, was. Please, I wish they would have swapped Emerald Lies they, for this. I mean, I'm only assuming. Yeah, I don't want it to sound like I hate this song mm. or dislike this song. I love this song. I wonder if it was recorded after the rest of the album. That's I've always wondered. Oh, so it was too late to put it on. Yeah, I've always wondered because it's surely... Because they played it live. I mean, it was even on the live album that came out after Fugazi, yeah. Real to Real, they even had it on that. It they, I think they knew it was a great yeah, song. It doesn't feel like it should be just like a B-side hidden away. Yeah. Well, they were very good at hiding away great songs on B-sides, Marillion. Well, oh. look at Grendel. Yes, <laughs> good point. Yeah. And some on the next album as well, as we'll Oh, we'll really? Interesting. They were very good at throwing away great songs. Oh. I wonder if they're kicking themselves for not, don't know. Imagine if Emerald Lies wasn't there. If that was on there, it would oh. be a nearly per- yeah, perfect nearly perfect. Album. Yeah. yeah. Even I, even though I don't love She Chameleon, and I had small issues with Incubus, Fugazi, and Cinderella Search, just lyrics. So that's not really <laughs> that important. It was an excellent album. Yeah, uh, and it's the album that I listen to the least. But going back to it now, oh, why is that? Well, that's a good question because going back to it, it, it's, I think it's more the atmosphere as a whole. Mm. It's, it, there's nastiness in there. Is there ever? Yeah, there's a lot of nastiness. Yeah, so and I, I think you pick up on that subconsciously. Energetically, it yeah. comes through. And I think I need to be in the right frame of mind. Maybe I'm just too nice. <laughs> you need to be not, angry I, 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 and bitter. Yeah, I'm just too nice to listen to this album, I think. <laughs> <laughs> nice boy like me. Shouldn't be exposed to all that bitterness. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I have to be in the right mood. But listen to it again. It's like, God, I love Incubus. God, I love Fugazi. I mean, I remember one of my um, favourite memories of one of the first times I ever got drunk was with my mate Giles. And, oh, I got very drunk. Yeah, thanks, Giles. By the way, I need water, Giles. I'm really drunk. So he hands me a pint of what I thought was water. It's vodka. Anyway, well, okay. that's by the bar. And you drank it all. No, I... You I, should know by after the first sip it's not well, water. Well, I did, but I took a big glug. 
<laughs> then just spat it all out and threw the pint glass over the across his um, kitchen. Anyway, oh. uh, but oh. I remember I remember going and sitting in the park near his house and laying on the roundabout yeah. and singing Fugazi with him. Were you losing on the roundabouts? We were winning, winning on those roundabouts. Yeah, and I remember that, but I think that's probably why we started singing Marillion. But I remember specifically singing Fugazi because they're such quotable songs, regardless of whether you know what the hell he's singing about or not, yeah. or whether you like it. Sometimes Mom, it's better not to know what he's singing yeah, about. Just see the words as as notes, as yeah, as you know, and his voice is an instrument. And, yeah. Yeah, I because musically this album as well, they take took a real step up from mm. script. And of course, they're going to keep developing into their next album, which is When Everything Changes. That's Ooh. not the name of the album. The album's called Misplaced Childhood. But so everything changes again, because this album was completely different to the first album. But this is the point now. We're on, they're on the cusp of becoming bona fide international rock stars, playing to 40,000 people and supporting Queen and becoming big and so had that happened before the next album came out or after was, or during well as we know we don't want to preempt ourselves too much Kaylee was the single that changed everything yeah and they started touring a version, an early version of Misplaced Childhood at the end of 1984, the year that Fugazi came out, um, with Fish mumbling some of the lyrics. Oh. But we're going to get into all that next week. Okay, that's exciting. Um, yeah, but it was also the beginning of the end for the band. Well, see you next week. Please subscribe, uh, share with your mates, post it on Marillion and Friends and other message groups. Tell people we're out there. And uh, we'll see you next week for the first episode dealing with misplaced childhood. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.